Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Here's how I end up with the ER. In uh, the middle of the night, I get struck with uh, I be uh, I'm awoken by uh, awakened by pain. Pain in my stomach woke me up last night. Not good. High stomach, like clear up just below my sternum. Mm. And uh, I don't know if I'd remember this a uh, couple of weeks ago. If I don't remember if I mentioned that, but I'd had it because I like really overdid a bunch of greasy food and stuff like that. And decided, you know, mm-hmm. I can't do the cheeseburger for lunch and then bacon for dinner or whatever. I gotta you know go back a little bit anyway. Um, I got this thing last night and it, it just, it was bad and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And then I was thinking about my niece who, uh, she had, uh, she's had uh, gallbladder problems since she was a teenager. I mean, so some people are just genetically whatever. Also found out that blood, uh, cancers like I had can, uh, make your gallbladder go to crap. So, but anyway, huh. this pain. Got, just got worse and worse and worse. And I'm pacing around the house. For about an hour, and it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I know what to do because I'm alone with Henry, and uh, I called the advice nurse. I'm I'm like I got my door shut, and then another shut door shut in the hall, so he doesn't hear me yelling because I'm yelling all the time. Just ah, oh. <laughs> so I called up the advice nurse, and I'm talking to her, say what. What should I do? She says, I think you need to call 911. I said, do you think so? Or why can't I drive? She said, you can barely talk. You can't drive. You got to call 911. That's why she's the advice nurse. That's some good advice. Yeah, but my, my son has been to the ER a couple times in the last couple of months. He suffers from anxiety. I thought, this is not going to be good. Waking him up in the middle of the night and taking him to the ER, but I didn't really oh, have any choice. Boy. So I go and wake him up and tell him, I, I, I call 911, and then I tell him we're going to the ER. I don't feel good. I'm going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine, but I don't feel good. And he's, he's getting, he starts getting a little panicky. And, uh, it takes longer than, you know, I would like to have taken. It probably wasn't very long, but I'm, literally writhing on the floor. I've never written. Is that the past tense? Mm, sure. Close enough. I've never writhed in pain in my life. Like, briefly, you know, like, yeah, you get hit with a baseball or something. Ah, jeez, you hop around and everything like that. But it's sure. for like an hour and a half, I rolled around on the floor Oy. cussing and moaning. I've never had a pain even close to this bad. Not even close. Like Boy. a different world of pain that I didn't know existed. The old cussing moan. Oh, it's hmm. just horrible. And my poor son, he's scared to death and everything like that. Anyway, the uh, f- fire truck. So comes. I'm sure you're trying to reassure him when that I you're not talk. dying in between, you know, crying out like you're dying. Holy cow. I'm sipping coffee right now, hoping to God it doesn't send me back into uh pain but anyway so fire truck gets there and the emt people and everything like that and henry unlocked the door they come in and they ask all kinds of questions they're trying to figure out if you're having a heart attack they try to figure out if you're a drug addict who's overdosed those seem to be the first two things that they're in they're wondering about well given the numbers yeah. recently yeah. you know it's probably yeah. the most likely thing that happens at two o'clock in the morning heart attack or uh, somebody ODing on their drugs Hmm. And I told him, I, I, no drugs, no drinking. I'm, I don't think I'm having a heart attack based on, uh, you know, all the symptoms I know about and everything like that. Um, anyway, so they strapped me to a gurney and, um, and, uh, and we head out onto the ambulance and, and Henry goes with me in the ambulance and the, and the 
firemen, EMT people are being really nice with him and everything like that. Oh, that's really sweet. Good. Yeah, that good for them. Good. Yeah. We get to the we get to the hospital. Um, they they oh, geez, so riding in the uh, the ambulance thing, and I only live like two miles from the hospital, which is handy. But uh, so I'm just in so much pain. And I said, "Is there anything you can do for this? Because this is brutal." And um and uh, so they got to get an IV started in my hand, and I'm just like, I can't hold still. I'm, sh- I'm freezing cold. I'm shaking. I'm waving my arms around. I can't hold oh, still. I'm in so much pain. And he, at some point, he says, "You have got to hold still." He yells at me. Okay, I'm try to hold my arm still or whatever. Don't know you yell at me. I'm in a lot of pain over here. Yeah, anyway. that's a little rude. <laughs> anyway, I'm having a rough night over here. He has a hard time. It's probably why I got this big bandage on my hand. Is because he had uh, many goes at trying to get oh, the IV started. In my oh, hand. you're killing me. People many are years. right there. They're they're going off the road right now. Many. That's why he was yelling at me. I think because he was probably you know, uh, you know, when you're failing at something. <laughs> But not his fault, though. We're on a bumpy road going around corners, and I'm waving my arms around. No, gee, I don't know how many times he jabbed me. I'm guessing six. <laughs> but it was it hurt, too. Anyway, uh, so he's get the IV and everything like that. And then when, when, when we get to the ER little circle there, like you have in front of every hospital in the world, then they get me out in the gurney. Henry gets out, and the poor guy, he said, I'm not feeling so good. I can tell he's really nervous about being at the ER. He throws up three times. Oh, between the the ambulance and the door, poor guy. Ah, jeez, what a brutal situation for him. Gee, man. Uh, anyway, they get me in there and uh, continue to writhe in pain for quite a while before they get me on the Dilaudid, and then the pain uh, pretty quickly just disappears completely. So that's some good stuff right there. You want to be a junkie? You don't want to feel nothing? I highly recommend <laughs> the Dilaudid. You find a crooked doctor, you slip him a honey, I think you're in good shape. Now, you mix that with some booze, I'll bet you're really oh, feeling good. Please. Because it took away the worst pain I've ever had in my life completely. Um, But anyway, so it's uh, I, I'm on my phone on the Mayo Clinic thing, like looking up all this store stuff while I'm laying there. And uh, the doctor actually said the Mayo Clinic is a good idea. Their website is a good thing. He said, don't look at WebMD. Do not really? look at WebMD. Yeah, and I thought, okay, that's kind of interesting. Hmm. That's what the doctor I have a doctor friend who says that one's okay, but uh, that's interesting. Hmm. Anyway, so it's my it's my gallbladder. My gallbladder is shot, and um, there they don't. Uh, it wasn't an emergency, so and I don't know, you know, with COVID and everything like that. There's all kinds of uh, various things that are happening with surgeries and scheduling surgeries. But anyway, I got to yeah. get my gallbladder out very soon. Hey, so it's an emergency to... for me. Just because it isn't for you doesn't mean it isn't. <laughs> right. A failure to plan on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part, except this is the other way around. Jack, gallstones range in size from as small as a grain of sand to as large as a golf ball. Four. The problem is, <laughs> apparently, uh, you get a bunch of fat and grease and stuff like that, like I had a lot of yesterday. So I had potatoes last night, crock-pot potatoes, and I took all these crock-pot potatoes and I mashed them up and just slathered them in butter. And Ooh. I had several helpings of that. And then cornbread with more butter. I think that's what did me in. But anyway, uh, that, and then that stuff, if your gallbladder doesn't work right, if you had a blood cancer like I did anyway, it clogs the ducts. And then, and then apparently you writhe in pain on the floor in front of your son is what happens. But, uh, so I have to get it out. And the doctor said, until I get it out, zero fat. Zero. Like, not Whoa. low fat, zero fat. So which I, that's going to be an interesting diet. And then, and then once you don't have a gallbladder anymore, your body can't really process that sort of stuff. So you're really rolling the dice. So I may have just stepped into the world of no cheeseburgers or milkshakes or whatever 
for the rest of my life. I don't know. Wow, for a lot of us, that'd be an adjustment. But you know, given your oh, yeah. your predilections, what, what, are, what are my three favorite diet foods? Wise? My kids can rattle off my three favorite foods: cheeseburger, steak, and gravy. Those are my three favorite foods. I can't eat mm. any of those. I don't think. Anyway, uh, will I be lighter? Will that slow oh, me up? Certainly. Taking the gallbladder out. What has it got to be? Wait, 10, 15 pounds probably. <laughs> I'm not sure that has that big an effect, but uh, yeah, going forward. So, what do you what do you got to eat? Like uh, like grains and veggies and fruits and stuff. I like don't that? know. I'm not a healthy eating guy. Oh, and and uh, so everything I read, you're supposed to eat lots of small meals throughout the day. Do not uh, delay your meals. And I said, I said, I know what you're gonna say, and I've been putting off telling you this, but I'm an intermittent faster. It's the best diet I've ever been on in my life. I only eat six hours a day. I freaking love it. I was committed to it forever. I've been doing it for like a year and a half. He said, no, absolutely (laughs) not. So great. I'm going to be 400 pounds. I'm going to be a guy, the only guy you know who eats only fruit but is 400 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You're going to be as regular as the New York train schedule, though. I mean, (laughs) right. Wow. Yeah. Well, for what it's worth, uh, my sweet wife has had a couple of close relatives have similar problems and had to get their gallbladders removed. And. They seem to, uh, you know, live reasonably happy lives. Oh, yeah, I don't, well, I don't, yeah. It's not I, like you're going to have to, you know, give up your lungs or anything No, 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 like I that. don't think it's a big deal. And the procedure I don't expect to be a big deal at all. Well, as I've said over the many, many years. Oh, yeah, I, hell, if I you, could do it. If you put me under, I don't care what you do. Head transplant, uh, you know, the heart, take out my heart, kick it around the room, put it back in. I don't care what is happening to me as long as I'm asleep. So that has no effect on me. But, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't think it's, uh, the only thing that seems like a big deal is like giving up all my favorite foods. And, like, really have to, not just, like, a suggestion this would be a good idea to lose some weight. No, I I, I will do anything to avoid that pain I was in last night. Gladly. That was wow. freaking, freaking awful. It's called an attack. They call them gallbladder attacks. And it was just, just, it was just horrible. Anyway, so the ER, ER is always uh, enjoyable. And it wasn't very busy until uh, shortly before I left. So I was there from midnight till 6, I guess. At the ER and something like that. And, um, uh, there's a guy in there. I never got a chance to see him. I wanted to know what he looked like because I could only hear him. I got, because I came in writhing in pain, I got like my own, like, kind of room with a blanket around and stuff like that. Not nice. just out in the hallway like, uh, normally I've been. Um, but, uh, there was this old guy who kept yelling, You're trying to kill me! You're both trying to kill me. Now there's a bunch of you trying to kill me. One, two, three, four, five of you trying to kill me. There are five of you trying to kill me. Why are you trying to kill me? And he kept this up for, I don't know, 45 minutes till I left. Wow. This rap about how they're trying to kill me. And then he would just yell, ah! Oh, gee, <laughs> Wow, that's relaxing. They're trying to kill me. I don't think they probably are. It's a bad hospital if they are. <laughs> At, at any uh, point did he say, he is the one who touched my penis? <laughs> <laughs> he reminds me a little of the Aussie yeah. guy with a succulent Chinese meal. It was kind of like that. Yikes. Man, you ER docs and nurses and, and orderlies and all the stuff you see. I know. I've talked to you uh, at times. Heard the stories. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine that life. I don't know how you get used to other people being in so much pain and you're just... Uh, you'd have to get used to it. But, but to the idea of, we're, I'm going as fast as I can. Uh, I've seen lots of people in pain. They don't die. Uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to get this going as fast as I can. They, while, and while you're in pain, you don't really enjoy their, la- what looks like a lack of urgency. I'm sure they're going mm-hmm. as fast as they can, but 
I don't know. If they get a good, get a look on your face that makes it seem like you care that the person isn't paying. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But if you did that all day, you know, every single night for eight hours, it would be tough. Yeah, fake compassion will do. Go with fake compassion. Right. But no, I, I can totally see that. No, if I do this in the right way, in the right order, you will get relief sooner. Yeah, yeah. Haste makes, makes waste. Sense. You don't want me to miss your, your, your veins six times again. Oh, oh that hurt. That Gosh. actually hurt. Um, well, of course it did. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. But resist, we must. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Jack is back. Hello, Jack. How are you? Hey, everybody. I am uh, without a gallbladder now. I am part of the gallbladder-free community. I imagine there are groups I can join, and we do bike rides and fundraisers and uh, solo climb mountains and stuff like that. And certainly cry microaggression if anybody ever says you've got a lot of gall or anything like that. All like right. That. Yeah. Not all of us have gallbladders. A.H. You're ableist. Ooh, A.H. That's strong. Yeah. So uh, how are you feeling after going under the knife yesterday afternoon, right? I think they did the surgery at five. Everything's kind of blurry because, you know, you're all drugged up all day long. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got there at one and left at 11. You mean me 11. or you drugged up all day long? <laughs> I got there at one and I left at 11. I got home at 11 p.m. Yikes. And I'm like two miles from the hospital. So, yeah, I, I didn't even know they did anything in hospitals that late at night. I was the last person there. I stole a lot of stuff. But anyway, um, I feel relatively fine. Just tired. I'm I'm not supposed to list, lift anything over 10 pounds, which eliminates practically anything you would ever lift, or I will tear a bunch of stuff loose, and then I would probably not feel fine. Um, but I, I, I think I feel fine. Of course, you know, I, <laughs> I've known many people who had procedures that felt fine until a variety of pain medicine wore off, and then they don't feel near as fine. But Ah, uh, yes, uh, or these, uh, there's the I feel fine, therefore I will overdo it, uh, which uh, many of us have done after various procedures, and your body generally uh, has a stern word with you. Yeah, yeah. I am not going to lift anything over 10 pounds. Um, uh, as far as having a gallbladder attack like I did on Sunday night, which I'd never even heard of, I'd never heard that term before, People who've had them had that term. I talked to two more women. I've now heard from four women who said their gallbladder attack was worse than childbirth. Wow. Um, it was horrific. I was more than willing to have let them do anything yesterday at the hospital to avoid ever having that happen again. And now lots of things could still happen to me, but that can't happen to me because I ain't got no gallbladder. <laughs> um, <laughs> that one's done. Chapter that one is off. That is off the chart. That's no right. longer on the table as an option. Um, what did people do in the old days? I can't believe they've been removing gallbladders for that many years. What did they do a hundred years ago? You just, you just lived with that horrifying condition. I must confess that my knowledge of the history of gallbladder surgeries is incomplete at best. Well, all, all I, kinds I don't of things. Know. All kinds of things. Appendix, gallbladders, just you know, all the things that we kind of routinely get fixed in the modern world. What did they do back in the old days? Is that why life expectancy was so short? Well, that was one of the reasons, sure. Plus, the whole, you can live without this, was kind of a guess back in the day. Oh, yeah. nobody needs a liver. Here, let's take this. Why are there at least two organs inside you that they can take out and your life is perfectly fine without them? Hung God? What was that deal? Or Galapagos yeah. Islands? Or whoever you want to talk to. But No, it's like the sports package on a car. It's nice, but you don't need it. <laughs> Makes things easier, better. Yeah. Easier to pick up chicks. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Not having a gallbladder is going to help me in that area, but it's a metaphor. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, well, I'm glad to hear it's going okay. The incision, I understand these days, is is fairly small. I haven't seen it. I uh-huh. got three of them. They went in from three different angles, and then they really surrounded it. But you put bunch of, put a bunch of put a bunch of tools in there with a camera, and they just cut it off and yank it out one of the holes, and close you back up. Yeah, that's all I, there is I, to it. I'd be a little cautious about the five. <laughs> excuse me, the five o'clock at night surgery. I, I want like not the first one of the day, but like the third or fourth one. You know, not that it's the end of the day. Everybody's checking their watch. Their wife is saying, "When are you coming home?" Or their husband. Right. They let girls be doctors these days, Jack. Uh, you know, that's a little iffy. That five o'clock surgery. Hey, I Jack. Think, Jack, yeah. did you yeah. keep the gallbladder? Did you ask? You know, I it- asked about that. I asked about that, and this I'm going to have to talk to lawyer Tim about this. So I asked about keeping my gallbladder, and they said, "No, you can't do that." And I wasn't going to argue with them there. But what do you mean? If there's anything that you have property rights around more than your own freaking body, I don't know what it is. That is my gallbladder. I don't care that you took it out. It belongs to me. So why can't I bring it home and put it in a jar and use it as a lovely mantelpiece? You know, I inquired about keeping my hip bone when I got uh, my two super cool custom aftermarket hips put in. Uh, but uh, somebody said, nah, it's kind of complicated because it's medical waste. And I thought, oh, okay. No, 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 no. Don't give me that bureaucratic law crap. It is mine. It belongs to me. Well, clearly. Give me my damn gallbladder. So what are you going to do? In, in, inflate it and let your kids play with it in the yard or what? You got plans? You going to make a Christmas ornament out of it? I, don't I know can't imagine it. what it looks like. Little shriveled up gallbladder until you inflate it. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. I forewarned you. Let's go, Brandon. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, Billie Eilish just tweeted that she got the COVID and she's double vaxxed, and she's saying, well, she'd be a lot sicker if she hadn't gotten it, which is quite possibly true. And uh, she's saying, so get the vaccination. Which I only mentioned because I watched Saturday Night Live from my hospital bed on Saturday night with her as the host and musical guest, the rare twofer. I'm, I'm, I'm too old for manufactured pop stars. I just, the whole thing, the music's fine. I don't, I don't think she's not like an actual musician or whatever, but the, remember when she hit on the scene? It was, she is so anti something <laughs> that she wears these baggy clothes or whatever it just the whole ah the whole made up i'm something unique making a statement about something right Bleh. so <laughs> listen just... to my pop songs and then she goes from baggy clothes don't even think about my body that's not why i'm here to like full-on sex pot and people are like oh it's a new chapter i don't know you're right you're too old and too bitter and so am i <laughs> You know what? Sing your songs. A good song is great. That's fine. If I like it, I like it. If I don't, I don't. I don't need to be manipulated into finding you fascinating. But again, that's the age of hyperbole, including in the arts. When you're young, this is all new to you. So Madonna, Lady Gaga, Billie Eilish, whoever it is for your generation is somebody doing something outrageous and different and artistic. They aren't just like a 19-year-old good singer who came up with an angle. Shut up already. <laughs> um, You're man, a man whose gallbladder betrayed him. You can't trust anything anymore. How many times? Well, you would know this better than any other human on earth. How many times have I eaten a bunch of bad food, bunch of donuts, fatty meal, deserted a giant steak, deserted, and said, I feel like I'm going to die? How many times have you heard me say that? Equal to the grains of sand in the Sierra. 
the the Sahara. That was a funny joke till I said Sierra instead of Sahara. Yeah, the, and I've actually told people uh, they've been like, "How's it going?" I've been saying, ah, "It's kind of stressful. My my partner's in the hospital and blah blah blah." And uh, and and the way I tell it is that you know every time he eats a greasy meal, he says, "Oh my God, I felt like I was gonna die." And I'm like, "He's funny. He's a very dramatic guy, you know." Blah blah blah. But no, you actually felt like you were gonna die, and because you've yeah. only had your intestine, your, right. your internal organs, how did you know the rest of us don't feel like that? I thought that's what everybody felt like after they ate a big steak and you know a piece of pie. You no, felt my like stomach you're... feels burbly, and you think ah, I shouldn't eat that much, but that's about it. I felt like I was going to die. Turned out my gallbladder has been shot for a very long time, if it ever worked right. So when you said, I feel like I'm being stabbed with a red-hot poker, you actually felt like you're being stabbed with a red-hot poker. That's right. That is absolutely right. Um, And as far as I can tell, I can eat whatever I want now um, and be fine. So Hmm. so far, I had no bad reaction. Um, What do you need the gallbladder for? Is that a trick by God or... How, like uh, how, far, how far have you pushed it? I mean, like I triple pushed pepperoni it pizza or anything? No, 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 no. God, they, that scares the hell out of me. Yeah, I haven't pushed it even close to that hard. But I had like a bite of a candy bar the other day just to see what happened. Huh. Nothing happened. I don't know much about gallbladder removal diet, so I don't know if a candy bar ought to be a problem or not. I don't it's know. All, I, mostly I, I about dealing fat. with fat. Yeah, candy bar's yeah. got fat in it. So it's mostly okay. about dealing with fat. Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I got to admit, I'll probably take a bite of pizza at some point in the near future and wait and see what happens. Yeah, I'm a fan of the Lardy Way bar. It's like a Milky Way, but with uh, hog fat in it. It's really Lardy pretty way. good. <laughs> Lardy Way, yeah. So That's I my fave. I kind of wondered about, so when they take an organ out, so there's a space there, what happens? And uh, And so I asked one doctor, and he said, well, your organs have to like slowly over time, like rearrange and kind of, you know, there's different spaces and stuff like that. So they just kind of find a new way to fit together. So interesting. So that's some of the discomfort that goes on if you get your appendix out or your you lose a kidney or uh, whatever it is. Is your your insides are rearranging because it's got you know, yes, Michael. So your heart might be at your hip. My heart, I think, is right. Your arm's rather well connected to various uh, <laughs> tubes. It's probably in place, but you know, I'd, I'd beware. Though this is this reminds me a great deal of the post World War One era, both in Europe and in the Middle East, in which the new lines, the new borders, if you will, were drawn haphazardly, and it led to yes. greater war. Yes, exactly. I mean, yeah, if so- your liver feels like your intestines are cheating it, who knows? So. I'm upright, like doing the show right now, and feeling not that great. And then uh, about an hour ago, I laid down. As soon as I laid down, it was just like, ah, all my stuff slid back into place after four (laughs) days of laying down, thinking, this is where we belong. So I got to get my organs used to, uh, you know, my kidneys probably yelling at my liver. Hey, you're squashing me over here. You move. I'm not moving. I was here first. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Wow. How strange. I never thought about that before. So you have to get used to being upright for a while. Plus, yeah. you know, the new uh, territorial uh, agreements. Yeah, fighting for supremacy. Liver probably wants to be close to the heart. Your pancreas Nobody wants is on a reservation. Nobody wants to be next to the colon. You go sit next to the colon. I'm not sitting next to the colon. You know what he does? <laughs> you know what he's full of? All right, welcome to Medical Talk. <laughs> Just the sort of thing I'd never thought about before. 
Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Joe Getty. What a personal privilege. Don't get brazen with me. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A new National Defense Survey conducted by the Ronald Reagan Institute found that for the first time a minority of Americans, only 45%, have a great deal of trust in the U.S. military, down 25% in the past three years. Confidence in the military among Republicans fell by 34 points to 53%. The declining trust in the military is occurring more rapidly than other institutions. My opinion is a lot of what caused it has been politicians who have roped the military military into their own particular agenda. And so they become more of a political football recently than they have before. Jen Griffin of Fox News there with one of a couple of really interesting surveys that have come out in the last 48 hours. Yeah. So uh, before we hear more of that, what's the 30 point drop among Republicans? That's really interesting. Is Um, that the, uh, you know, various people undermining trump or whatever could be that it could be the whole woke military thing absolutely ought to read ibram kindy well i i I, my belief in the readiness of our military has dropped a lot in recent years i think their emphasis is in all the wrong places i've uh read with interest you know in the wake of some of those uh, navy collisions how the folks are under trained the management or the the leadership is not quite what it should be in in places and yeah, my uh, my faith, my confidence in the military has eroded a bit, too, come to think of it. Also, and I'd, I was going to quote somebody, but I'm not sure I'll get the right person, but I remember somebody making the point that generals are getting more involved in political issues than they ever have in hmm. recent memory, like taking a side, like you clearly know what sign they are, signing on to letters, you know, that sort of stuff. A hmm. hundred generals have signed on to a letter saying blah, blah, blah. Now, generally, they're retired. But either way, yeah, yeah, why are they weighing in on political issues? Yeah. All right, Michael, hit us with clip 51. Only 42 percent believe the U.S. can win a war overseas. We're number two in a world where it's dangerous, if not fatal, to be second best. Fox News was given an exclusive look at the survey's findings, which saw a sea change in attitude about the threat posed by China. We're seeing a huge uptick in this survey in terms of concern about China. For the first time, and we've done this four times, 52% of American people see China as the country that presents the greatest threat to the United States. By contrast, only 14% say Russia. Interesting, 42% believe we can win a war overseas, which is a disturbingly low number. And then this is less about the poll than about the current situation, but I found it so interesting. Uh, Michael, 52. Those surveyed expressed concerns about U.S. leadership in the world and a possible war in space. A top U.S. Space Force commander recently warned in an interview with the Washington Post, Josh Rogan, China is attacking U.S. satellites on almost a daily basis using lasers and radio frequency jammers, attacks that could be seen as an act of war. In addition to fielding a whole suite of counter space weapons to deny us. So they have come a long way very quickly. They are close to being an equal, and if they continue at their pace, they could surpass us in the next several generations. Whoa, wait a minute. China's attacking our satellites on a near-daily basis? Seems like come on, China! Seems like something we should be discussing. You know why so many Americans believe China is an enemy of the United States? 
Because China is an enemy of the United States. That's why. Clearly. China is asshole. That's another way to put it. I'm glad uh, Americans are waking up to that. It's it's absolutely critical. Yeah. On the um. I don't know when this survey was taken. You know, these are the results that we're just getting. I don't know when they took it, but if it was fairly recently, you see that China has got these hypersonic missiles that we can't detect. You see, you see us the way we pulled out of Afghanistan. How how would how would the positive numbers not be going in the wrong direction? Based on those two stories. Yeah, I don't really blame the military for much that happened in Afghanistan, but uh, including the the end of it, but I understand the perception. No, I don't blame the military either, but our ability to do things as a military, for whatever reason, even well, if right, it's just yeah, the leaders. Yeah. Well, the civilian leadership of the military is part of the military, if sure. you you know, look at it that way. Yeah. Ha, huh, that's interesting. Um, this next thing I have I thought was really interesting, but then with the unbelievable power of concentration, I think I figured out why it is what it is, and it's not near as interesting. But oh, really? I'll hit you with okay. this first. All right. Or I'm wrong. Maybe you'll tell me I'm wrong. Byron, Byron York's writing in the Washington Examiner about this new Harvard University. It's, I haven't heard of Have you heard about Harvard? Yeah, it's a little community college in Massachusetts. That was a good Harvard joke I heard the other day. Uh, thing Harvard about. is a bloated, self-important crap heap that needs to go away. No, that's not a joke. That's just a statement. It was similar to the Filled whole... Filled with venom and hatred, too. It was similar to the whole, how do you know somebody went to Harvard, they'll tell you, you know, that sort yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll pop into my head. Anyway, so Harvard asked young people about uh, state of democracy in America, and uh, Byron York and the Examiner gets into some of the results and I think misses one of the obvious reasons the numbers are what they are. But we'll start here. Perhaps the most interesting result came in response to the broad question, and uh, they're surveying people 18... To 29 adults under 30 if you will i will <laughs> child <laughs> which of the following phrases best describes the united states today oh boy brace yourselves <laughs> a healthy democracy a somewhat functioning democracy a democracy in trouble a failed democracy and don't know always my favorite answer i don't know well, well, look look around you. Does it seem like this is working or not? I don't know. No opinion. We're a democracy. You live a life. You go to school. You work a job. Everything like that. Does it seem like it's going to go? I don't know. I got no opinion. I'll give you $5 <laughs> to pick one of them. Okay. Here's your $5. No opinion. <laughs> the headline that came out of it was a significant number of young people described the U.S. as a failed democracy or a democracy in trouble. Overall, 13% of those surveyed described the U.S. as a failed democracy. Yeah, I'm not shocked by that. 39% of people under 30 called the country a democracy in trouble. What would my answer be? Yeah, I see. I was going to say earlier, I think I would, I think I would have checked a democracy in trouble, but maybe somewhat functioning democracy is a better answer. I don't know. I think I'd go with that one. What was the first one again? A healthy democracy. Uh, I think no. the second one. <laughs> Definitely not number one. Right. So 13% said a failed democracy. 39% said a democracy in trouble. Uh, 7% did say the U.S. is a healthy democracy, 27 functioning. And then 13%, I don't know. I got no idea. I haven't noticed. <laughs> well, 
and th- here's the conclusion that Byron York draws, and I think I, I think I can explain it pretty easily. Look pretty deep, a little more deeply inside the numbers. Who's calling the U.S. a troubled democracy? Is it the mostly lefty youth listening to lefty professors and lefty podcasts while their parents watch Rachel Maddow and everybody votes Democrat? Or is it the mostly young people on the right, Republicans who voted to reelect Donald Trump in 2020? It's Republicans. Harvard provided a detailed breakdown of the survey. Break it down. 2,100 people surveyed. And Republicans who voted for Trump were way more likely than Democrats who voted for Joe Biden to call the U.S. democracy troubled. I am surprised. Huh. I was, too. But isn't it clearly the answer that um, if you had asked this question before the election, you would have had a way higher percentage of Democrats saying, oh, we're a failed democracy. Trump's president. How could you call oh, us anything but a failed democracy? Oh, my God. And the Republicans would be saying, of course, we're a, st- a strong democracy. Trump's president. And now it's the reverse. Oh. That's all it is. So disappointing. I know. I think you got a point. It's, I'm not, that doesn't explain all of it, but it's in there. Oh, absolutely. I guarantee you, a lot of the, a lot of the people that voted for Trump or who are going to say it's a failed or failing democracy is because Trump lost because Biden's a president. And the, bad and, well, and the reverse yeah. was true before. Of course, it's a healthy democracy. Trump is president. Oh, oh, how, I guarantee you, Democrats would say it was a failed democracy while Trump was president. Oh, yeah, absolutely true. And there's a lot more subtlety on both sides. I mean, if Trump had gotten reelected, there would still be reasons to suggest that, that there are troubles in this uh, political system. Well, to, to me, the worst thing you can ever say, and I've, I've thought this since I was young, and it's the, it gets to the whole, this is the most important election of our lifetimes thing. If America success or failed to pass fail test based on the election of one human being for one term, well, then we don't have a very good system. The founders no, were not as good at it as we thought. Actually, they were really good at it. And so we can't pass or fail based on the election of one human for one term. That's kind of the point. That's the whole point. Right, right. Well, that's the worst thing Jack can think of saying. Here's the worst thing I can think of saying. Honey, they broke into our house and stole all of our stuff. It's all gone. Uh, get in touch with our friends at Simply Safe. They're giving you a fabulous holiday deal, 40% off their award-winning home security. Whether it's your home, which is extra important, or your workshop or your business, you're afraid of the smash and grabs. Uh, Simply Safe named the best home security system of 2021 by U.S. News and World Report. So you go, to, you go to simplysafe.com, you click around, you customize the system for your home online. It just takes you a couple of minutes. Then you get Simply Safe, it's shipped to you, and you set it up yourself. Yeah, you set it up yourself. No long term contracts, because a lot of security systems, you're locked in for a couple of years, whether you like it or not, whether you use it or not. No long term commitments with Simply Safe. And uh, they'll help you set it up, obviously, if that's what you want. You can get a complete home security system starting at just over a hundred bucks. You're going to love these people. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. 40% off because you know us. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. You're going to like it again. No long-term contracts. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. The Supreme you know, Court, as we speak, hearing uh, oral arguments in the Mississippi abortion ban case. We'll talk more about that later. All right. Excellent. I, I will point out that no matter who got elected, president, and and I, like you, are not obsessed with only the office of the president. State legislatures matter so much. Congress matters. The, the Senate matters. Your local elections matter. Please, folks, the, 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 the more local, the better. Anyway, uh, no matter what the result of the presidential election, I will tell you I am highly troubled by the effort to move to willy-nilly mail-in votes. I think it undermines vote security, 
which undermines, or ballot security, I suppose is a better term, but which undermines faith in our electoral system. I think there, there are political issues, there are electoral issues, there are scandals, whatever, and they're, they're, some of them are important, but they come and they go. To me, getting as far away from the security of the ballot box, one person, one ballot, stuck in the slot, and then the careful, careful maintaining of the custody of those ballots. Getting as far away from that as we have is messing with the DNA of our electoral system. Uh, so, so I'm worried by that. Yeah, so I took in a podcast the other day with Molly Hemingway's husband. I was trying yeah, to look Mark. that up. Mark, Mark Hemingway. Hemingway yeah. So she wrote, I think she wrote the book with him, but her name is on it. Anyway, the book Rigged, How the Media, Big Tech, and the Democrats Seized Our Elections. And he was on... The Michael Malice podcast, who's this anarchist guy that I listen to now and then is so entertaining. But anyway, he made the best argument I've heard yet for what the Democrat, how the Democrats quote stole the election. It's not the Venezuelan voting machines and all this different stuff. No, they systematically over many months organized a system stuff you're talking about mail-in ballots and all these sorts of things that were legal. They're all legal. They just did a better job of putting everything in place that was going to make it much more likely that a Democrat got elected president. Armstrong and Getty.